Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 60, My Worst Turkey Hunting Blunders. And I'm your host with some fresh venison in the freezer. And we are 103 days, 8 hours, 10 minutes, and 36 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. 103 days. I'm pretty fired up about that. Three and a half months. So one of the reasons that I enjoy deer hunting is the fellowship at the hunting camp during deer season. On any given weekend, there are between about four and eight of us at the camp, and most nights we'll sit at the kitchen table to eat supper. For those of you who don't know, supper is the southern equivalent to a Yankees dinner, and (laughs) during supper, the stories begin to flower in the kitchen table. Often sparked by a little fire water, the stories continue until the late night hours. By late night, I'm talking about like 9.30 p.m. And as all of you know, fire water is to storytelling at the hunting camp what gasoline is to a real fire. So the more fire water, the more and the bigger the stories. Such great stories have been told as Ship's story of killing 10 million squirrels when I was a kid. After I called him out on his statement of killing 10 million squirrels and pulled up the calculator app on my smartphone, I determined he would have had to have killed 1,522 squirrels every day to have killed 10 million squirrels when he was a kid. It didn't take long for Ship to put me in my place, and he proved that he was not lying when he said, well, no wonder my dad was so mad about buying all those 22 shells. So, deer season kind of gets me in a little bit of a storytelling mood. And today I want to share a few short turkey hunting stories with you. These stories are not going to make me look like a superhero in the turkey hunting woods. These are stories of some of my many turkey hunting blunders from over the years. And I want to share a few of them with you because there are lessons to be learned from every story that's told. And sometimes the lessons that we learn are of things that we don't want to repeat. And that's what really ticks me off about rewriting our school's history books. But that's a different story for a different type of show on a different day. Anyway, my hope with this episode is to share info with the newer, less experienced turkey hunters that they may not know, and to prove that making some mistakes in the turkey woods is a good thing as long as you never duplicate them. Now, you more experienced turkey hunters should get a chuckle or two out of some of these stories and may be able to relate some of your own blunders to mine. So, here we go. The first story I have is a swamp turkey. Now, this is not the swamp turkey. 
Those are different stories about a different turkey who whipped my butt more times than my mom did when I was a bratty little kid. The Swamp Turkey and the Grant's Mill Turkey were my two hunting mentors in my early years. And maybe one day I'll share some of the stories of those two birds. But today I want to talk about a swamp turkey. The story of a swamp turkey was just a blundered hunt on my part. There's no other way to put it. It's a hunt where I should have been toting a turkey out of the very same swamp where my mentor, the swamp turkey, lived, but I didn't. One morning I went to visit my adversary in the swamp, the swamp turkey, and I quickly learned that the swamp turkey had a wild night the night before because there were a ton of ladies in the trees nearby and a couple of other guys in the trees nearby as well. So I set up too far away like I always did when I was new to turkey hunting. I was probably 150 yards, maybe 175 yards to the north of the swamp turkey and his two buddies that I wanted to meet. And I set up facing the southwest since I'm a right-handed shooter. So I didn't know enough to position myself so that my left shoulder was pointed in the direction of the turkeys. So I'm sitting against this rather large oak tree in the swamp and the turkeys are on the roost and they're gobbling like crazy. So I waited on them to fly down and I called. Well, the gobblers actually split up. The swamp turkey gathered his hens up and went to the west. One of the other gobblers went to the south. And the third gobbler went to the east. And I stayed put and continued to call from my location on the southwest side of a tree. Well, I must have said something right to the third gobbler, the one that went to the east, because He walked to the east, turned to the north, and then turned back to the west to come towards me. He'd basically made a half circle and was coming straight to me. Well, I sat in my spot against that tree longer than I really should have. And as the turkey's gobbling and getting closer, the light bulb goes off in my head that says, Hey, this turkey's about to walk up behind you, and you are not going to have a shot. You need to move. So with one hand, I grab my butt cushion. The other hand, I'm holding my gun, and I ease up just enough off the ground, and I slide around to the southeast side of the tree. And little did I know at that point in time that the turkey had closed the distance, and he was about 40 yards from me at the time that I moved, and he could see me because he was walking straight towards me. I could not see him because my back was to him against an oak tree, and He decided that he'd had enough and he was gone. After I moved, if I could have kicked my own rear end, I would have done it. I picked the worst time to reposition on that tree. And there's nothing to really learn from this blundered hunt that you guys don't already know, which is do not move when a turkey can see you. But this blundered hunt helped me come to the realization that I needed to make a rule for myself. So I came up with the 60-minute rule which means that whenever I sit down on a turkey and I'm in a position to where I feel like I have a chance at calling that turkey in from where I am, I will not move for 60 minutes. That rule has paid off with a lot of dead turkeys over the years. And so I look back on that hunt from time to time and I say, well, what would I have done differently? Well, first of all, I should have moved sooner. As soon as that turkey turned from going east and started going north, I should have moved. At that point, that turkey's 150 to 175 yards from me. 
I could have easily moved to where I could have at least been facing the direction that he was gobbling. But there were gobblers in the direction that I was facing. And so at that point in time, I would have committed to that third gobbler. And I would not have been in a position to take a shot at either of the other two gobblers had they come in. The other thing that I could have done was I could have sat there until he walked into view or until he walked off and then repositioned at that point in time. Now, if he walks in from behind me and he walks away from behind me, it's going to be hard for me to know that he's out of sight and that I'm clear to move. And I don't think that trying to quick draw a turkey in that case is a good idea because if you think about it, you're swinging your gun around and it takes you a minute to get everything that comes into view in focus, get your gun where it needs to be pointed to fire a shot. And I think by the time you swing around behind you with a gun and you acquire your target, get your gun up, get the bead on it, safety off and squeeze the trigger, that turkey's probably gone. So in multiple turkey situations like that where you have more than one gobbler that are together and once they fly down, they go in different directions. Many times we have to make the smartest commitment to one bird that we can and hope best happens. I feel like I made the smartest commitment because it was a no-brainer that that turkey was coming to me, but I did it at the dumbest time. So that's one of those stories where you just want to kick yourself in the rear end because you absolutely did everything that you could do to not kill a turkey, and I succeeded with that part of it on that hunt. The second turkey that was a huge blunder for me was the North Boundary turkey. Now, we had a food plot on our hunting property that was called the North Boundary Field, and just like you might suspect, it was on the north boundary of our property. And the hunt on the North Boundary turkey took place with my buddy Todd soon after we started turkey hunting. And we were at the camp over the weekend, and this particular morning, it rained the first two hours of daylight. But we went out anyway. After being out for a couple of hours, the rain stopped, and we headed to the North Boundary Field, which was one of our larger food plots, because we knew that turkeys want to go to a field to dry out after a rain. So we set up underneath a large cedar tree on the south side of the field, and we began some light calling. About 15 minutes after we started calling, we got a turkey to respond in the woods to the east of us. So we called and called and called, and the turkey kept responding. Turkey got a little bit closer, and the turkey hung up. And we continued to call, continued to call. The turkey's gobbling. He's just not coming in any closer. So I told Todd, I said, we need to get up, and we need to circle around and get on the other side of this turkey because something's got him hung up and something's keeping him from coming to us. So we need to circle around and just make it easier for this turkey to come to us. So we pack up all of our stuff very quickly. We circle around and come in from the other side of him. And after about five minutes of us not calling anymore while we were gathering our stuff together and while we were trying to get around this turkey, the turkey stopped gobbling. So I had a pretty good idea of where this turkey was. By the time we got around to where I wanted to be, and we sat down, and we called, the turkey responded. And the turkey was standing in the middle of the north boundary field when he gobbled. Now from that point, the rest of the morning, we were behind this turkey. And we could never get the turkey to come back to us. We couldn't get to the field without the turkey seeing us. Turkey finally left the field, walked down the property line, 
and after an hour or so of messing with him along the property line, he crossed the fence, went onto the neighbor's property, gobbled a few times, and was gone. But we could never get back in front of that turkey to where that turkey wanted to go. We were there. We were sitting on that field, and that's where he wanted to go. But we wouldn't shut up long enough to let him do his thing and come on in there. And what I learned from that blunder is that silence is deadly. Going silent on a turkey gets a turkey's curiosity peaked, and they almost just cannot stand it. So I recommend that before you get up to relocate on a turkey that you believe is hung up, you should sit quietly in your spot for 15 to 20, maybe even 30 minutes. Play the quiet game with the bird to see if you can get him to break and come into you. And you've heard me mention it several times before on the show, but it bears repeating again. The quiet game is a deadly tactic to use on wild turkeys. The third story that I have for you is the Pine Valley turkey. Now, this hunt took place on my property in Chilton County, Alabama. About an hour after daylight, I heard a turkey goblin consistently a few hundred yards from me. And when I got to the area, I noticed that the turkeys, yes, that's turkeys with an S, were in a draw off of one of the roads on my property. So I picked a great spot to sit down just up the hill from the turkeys and out of the turkey's sight, and I called. And three turkeys gobbled from that draw. So I was ready to go. I was sitting against the tree with the gun on my knee, and I waited just a few minutes before the first gobbler came marching in with his buddies close behind him. And I let the first turkey get about 20 yards away from me, push the safety off very slowly and quietly, put the rifle sights right on the waddles of the turkey, slowly squeeze the trigger. After I get back to Mother Earth after being kicked in the shoulder, by a 12-gauge, shooting a a 3.5-inch turkey magnum load, I realized that the turkey that I shot at is running, and his two buddies are running as well. And I took two more shots at the turkeys, emptied my gun, and I never cut a feather. So, that was the hunt where I finally decided that I needed to pattern my shotgun because something was wrong. So I get a patterning board set up, and I shoot my gun, and I realized it was shooting about a foot high and a foot and a half left. I completely missed those three turkeys with three shots that morning. And then I got to thinking, I was shooting a different kind of shotgun shell than what I normally shot. And what I learned from that blunder is that before hunting season starts, go spend a couple of hours at the range getting sighted in, patterned, and practice shooting from your sitting position. And do that before every season. And do it especially after you change your shotgun shells, either before or during the season. But you really should pattern your gun if you change the brand of shotgun shells that you shoot. And even if you change the shot size of the shotgun shells that you shoot, you need to pattern that gun to know where it shoots and know where it's hitting. The only way you'll know if your gun shoots those shells straight is to shoot those shells at paper before season starts. I learned it the hard way, and I don't want you to do the same thing. Chances at turkeys are too few and far between to blow an opportunity to harvest one because you're too busy or too lazy to pattern your gun before hunting with it. That was a rookie mistake by a fairly seasoned turkey hunter at the time. I had quite a few turkeys underneath my belt when I did that. But that's all that I've got for you today. I hope that you guys have enjoyed the stories of a few of my screw-ups in the turkey woods. 
I hope that you newer hunters out there picked up a tidbit or two that you can use, and I hope you realize that you're going to make mistakes while you're out in the woods. But the best thing that you can do is work to not duplicate those mistakes. And if you can learn something from my mistakes and not duplicate that while you're out in the woods, even better. And that's why I'm not afraid to share my screw-ups with you. I hope that you more experienced hunters out there got a good chuckle at my expense, and I'm sure you can relate some of my blunders to some of your blunders in the past. If you've spent any amount of time in the woods, then I know you've got your share of blunders as well. Well, since I shared a few of my turkey hunting blunders with you, I hope that you'll share one of yours with me. So take a few minutes and email me the story of the turkey hunting blunder that still haunts you to this day whether it was last season, whether it was yesterday, or it was 20 years ago. I'd love to hear it. My email address is andy at iamturkeyhunting.com. andy at iamturkeyhunting.com. Send that on my direction, and you never know when I may just read your blunder story on one of the podcasts. Hey, I want to remind you guys that are deer hunting right now to please be careful and wear a safety harness while you're in a tree stand. I was on Twitter a few days ago and just happened to see a tweet posted by a guy by the name of Andy. I like that name. And his Twitter handle is at Team Regulators. At Team Regulators. And Andy has a very good hunting buddy who fell out of a tree stand this past weekend. And his hunting buddy is fighting for his life. Supposedly, the stand was about 30 to 40 feet up in a tree. And so, you know, that is the most dangerous thing that we do, in my opinion, especially in the deer woods, is climbing a tree. The safety harnesses today are very comfortable. They're very affordable, and there's really no reason not to wear one. So, keep that in mind when you're going out this weekend to chase some whitetail deer. If you guys enjoyed the show this week, then please forward and share the show on social media. That is a big help for me, and that is a great way for us to grow the show. Also, please leave a five-star rating and review for the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And don't forget that you can subscribe to the show at no cost. By subscribing, you can be sure to get the most recent episode of the show downloaded to your phone automatically. One last thing. Please tell your hunting buddies and friends and family what a podcast is and how to download and listen to this show. Sharing the show by word of mouth is a great help and is much appreciated by me. Hey, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices and I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.